So you were a figure skating fan is what you're trying to tell me. I was a fan of her figure, yes. Figure skating, finger painting, not necessarily in that order. A- anything having to do with fingering, really. I mean... Uh, well, ultimately, unfortunately, it's going to leave everyone cold one way or the other, from my understanding. But And the Russians will always give you a lower score. Oh, It yes. is known. It is known. Yes. Points for effort, though. So you had a question. Oh, yeah. No, I was just curious about your all's thought about uh, the recent shakeup there between CNN and uh, Fox News there with Tucker and Lemon both out. Are they going to swap trade, places? Yeah, yeah. That's the what weirdest I heard. wife swap in history. Oh, man. That <laughs> wife swap. Oh, I'd watch that. I'd watch that. That would be insanely fascinating. I just thought it was quite the uh, quite the news, though. I mean, Tucker Carlson, you know, getting fired from Fox there with even though he has the, or had, the highest rated cable news show. That was shocking, but not necessarily, I mean, because of his ratings, it was kind of shocking they would let him go. But given the near billion dollar lawsuit settlement they had to do, unsurprising. But then the same day, just hours later, Don Lemon also goes, and he's like the highest guy on CNN. Well, you know what the thread is? Misogyny. Mm -hmm. No one wants to hear men sit and bloviate to one another anymore, gentlemen. And if our ratings have proven nothing, (laughs) it is that that is a true statement. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. (laughs) That is very fair. But but I think Don Lemon would agree that we are all still in our prime. (laughs) Who the hell wants to listen to Don Lemon about anything at this point? That's... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Relieved of duties for a reason, I suppose. I I will be completely uh, transparent here. I have I one don't watch programming at this point for the sake of my sanity. Who, who does? And two. Yeah, I neither have, do I. I have never heard Don Lemon speak. I have no idea what his stances or positions are. He is a name on a masthead to me at this oh, point. He, he yeah. became insanely like popular in during the trump administration rallying against trump right oh not hard as as, yeah but it was just it's (laughs) that's why i think it was fascinating though just because you've got you know one voice on one side that hypercritical of trump and then the other one that was so pro-trump at least in public you know the the personal side uh those private recordings show obviously different (laughs) way different uh yeah that that tucker (laughs) tucker was not necessarily insane he just put the in you know in terms of like his opinion he knew that trump was a blowhard and hated him but on camera he was a shill for the money I feel like in the United States political system, we have been on that weird sort of like roller coaster ride where you're in that independently spinning little uh, metal globe. <laughs> and depending upon how much you lean as you're going into a turn, like you have a very dramatic backlash the other direction as you come around. I feel like our political system has been doing that for the past 23 years. Now, at some point, we're going to get sick of being motion sick and hopefully level out because the extremes, I feel like, are just starting to drive all of us crazy. And I feel like those two individuals, whether or not an amicable agreement was reached where they just parted company, as it was said in the weirdest hostage video possible <laughs> on both stations, or it's just like, don't look directly at the camera. We would like to thank him thank him for his dedicated service and uh so long and thanks for all the fish you bow-tied fuck yeah it's just very bizarre so hopefully this is a sign a bellwether if you will that things are settling out but i i doubt it see yeah yeah, i would i i I tend to suspect it's going to go the other way because uh fox 
although obviously a conservative network, uh, is now being, well, they're being flanked from the other side by Newsmax (laughs) already, right? So you already have like a, a further right wing network that is critical of Fox for being too liberal, right? So you've already got a network that's, that's panning the other way. (laughs) And if you've got Tucker Carlson now with his super high rated show gone, I can only think of the, like, that's probably where he's going to go, right? Well, the more conservative network, which means that you'll probably get more people watching that network and and amplify that, you know, ridiculous voice even more. But also, and, and, cause I had seen this on the, the discourse online, um, they're still, Newsmax and I think OAN are both still going through their defamation lawsuit against Dominion. So don't even know how much they are going to have to go because, like, I mean, Fox, like, they had to pay a lot of money. Granted, should have been higher, and they should have also had to issue a public apology on air. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Like, who knows if those two, which are way, like, less income, you know, they don't make as much money, anywhere near as much money as Fox does. Who knows if they'll be even able to stay afloat. Well, that's why I think if I was their execs, I would probably be jumping at the chance to try to get Tucker on then because you're going to get a ton of ratings as a result, which means you'll get a bunch of money in, which will help you settle those things would be my guess. Yeah, but like how uh, Tucker Carlson, regardless of the kind of person he is, he's not stupid in terms of a business aspect like he put on the character because it made him money. Mm hmm. I don't think he's going to be like, oh, man, this ship is sinking. I should uh, I'm being thrown from a sinking ship onto a smaller sinking ship as well. Like, well, I don't think he's going to try and fling himself well, on there. Who options? knows? I he's was going to get like, hired on at MSNBC. Any port to storm at this point. <laughs> I mean, exactly. uh, retire, Otherwise, do a podcast. I don't know. He can be the new host of Fucked and Friends, apparently, on Tuesdays. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a, a grand time for all involved parties. He'll be a co-host with Joe Rogan or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's just only so much disinformation you can subject the general public to while wearing a bow tie. And speaking as one of the... <laughs> Three hosts of the Disinformed <laughs> Podcast, I can say I will never be wearing a bow tie on this show for that Aww. precise reason. Bow ties are cool. Fezes are cool as well. From yeah, you got the reference, my man. When when do I not fish fingers and custard? <laughs> and speaking of something fishy, by the eternal. Behold, Behold, it is in fact the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane, and, and I'm, I'm Michael. Michael. You guys are really gonna have to give this shtick up at some point. Like it's <laughs> just beat it into the ground, why don't you? Michael two times, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I'm going away. I'm sorry. <laughs> this uh I'm gonna break on through to the other side at this point, I think, and we'll be perfectly fine. I am the lizard king. But uh for those of you who are here and not interested in the goings-on over at uh, Fucked News, then I imagine you're going to get a different form of Fucked News this evening, because what we typically do on this show for the uninitiated is we like to dive into random esoterica, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we lie occasionally. It's part of the fun, particularly when our correspondent is typing in his inquiry to the fucking chat board, <laughs> apparently. You know, as often as you mute yourself that you can't do it when you're doing a fucking research paper is just beyond me. 
Well, what's humorous is I couldn't hear it on the headphones, so I didn't think you'd pick it up, and I didn't want to make the little click. <laughs> so you'd rather make happens. a lot of clicks. A I lot of clicks. I couldn't hear it on the headphones, so I thought you couldn't hear it. So what, were you writing a missive about how, like, we should probably better hear it on the headphones? Like, what's happening? I typed eight characters. It couldn't have been that much. If that was eight characters. That was the most aggressive chicken pecking I have ever heard in my life. Dear I God. Told, I have been told that I type quite hard. It's very it's aggressive true. typing. Ooh, type me harder, Daddy. Mm, I want to take poor, that dictation. Poor mm. Mm, dictate me. Oh, God. Okay. So at some point, I'm going to get back to introing this show. But uh, so, in any event, as we are explaining random nonsense, we lie about it. That is the shtick. That is fun. But the whole point of the show is there is a denouement at the end of the episode. We explain what we lied about and why, so that you do not leave disinformed. That is always the goal. It is not necessarily always achieved, but, you know, we try. Debbie two times over here. So, I know. Chloe Dancer, the crown of thorns. I'm I'm there. It's just more fun for me to flail at the name like I'm Jim Cornette with a head gold. But uh, what we are going to be doing today on the topic of, uh, you know, delicious delicacies that we were bringing up is I know we have a, a member of this crew that cooks very frequently for a, a very large scale for no good reason. There are three people living in that home and you, Doc. And one of them is eight, 19 months now as of today. Oh, so <laughs> she wasn't pounding the sausages like they were going out of style? As surprisingly, no. Although right. she does love coleslaw. Really? She's yeah. the one. Yeah, and then she gets quite stinky after. <laughs> Not the one. Everybody gets stinky after coleslaw. It just can't be helped when you got that much mayo in play. But uh, so I, I wanted to have a little discussion about something that I had alluded to previously. And since Michael indicated that he was abdicating the role of presenting this evening, you get to listen to me. So my sincerest apologies. What I will tell you off the start is that I have seven lies for you this evening. Oh, man. Welcome back to Shane oh, presenting excited. an episode. You shouldn't be. All of them are number lies. Oh, no. <laughs> but for uh, continuing listeners of this show, all three of you, uh, I want to say that I would imagine my peculiar relationship with food and drink is not something you are woefully unfamiliar with. In point of fact, I would say probably anybody who's watching this recording at the present could also likely surmise I enjoy partaking in Epicurean pursuits from simple observation. I'm a little stout here. But uh, perhaps <laughs> there's something transcendent in tantalizing one's palate, which is a bit of a necessity for those who lack the refuge of other vices. Uh, I believe Michael has often heard me analyze what I refer to as the Mormon deadly sin of gluttony uh, as uh, to individuals who are left very little to indulge in outside of chaste worship. Let's not discount that this faith, uh, of course, expects people to maintain virginity into their 20s as a bedrock oh, let me principle. Let just soak it in, baby. Let me just soak it in. Uh-huh. Mm, so, soak in. Uh, you don't have a lot of outlets for your anger or animosity generally, and thus food and drink are some of the very few sensory experiences the faith isn't in principle just outwardly repulsed by. Uh, of course, there's the admonition about moderation in all things that is frequently quoted, but very rarely upheld uh, <laughs> unless you're just anorexic. Otherwise, you know, balances. 
But uh, what is often foregone when met uh, with the argument of, you know, like, what else am I allowed to do? Fornicate? Uh, you know, it's like, okay, fine. Eat the Snickers. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> this Horny, will bring us. Eat a Snickers. <laughs> I mean, Horny? that was. Why wait? Uh, about I'm I'm not myself when I'm horny, so <laughs> I have often said that as well. This is my Incredible Hulk principle: the second the hormones kick in, rational thought out the window. You just wake up, you know, covered in weird substances with your pants ripped, and wondering how did I get here. But uh, anyway, digressions aside, <laughs> this will bring us around to the meat of the matter, quite literally, mm. for this evening's episode. The death row tradition of offering a last meal to an individual heading to their demise. Ooh. Now, uh, I, as per usual, don't intend to just be glib about maudlin topics, even though I am Aww. exceptional at it uh, and a noted fan of Gallo's humor. But uh, I've always been fascinated by the concept of what a person would choose to have as their last meal. And in that wool gathering expedition, I am not alone. The concept of the last meal offers an irresistible blend of food, death, and crime that piques a voyeuristic and fetishistic bend of the American consciousness. By way of an example, Studio Feast, an invitation-only supper club in New York City, hosts an annual event based on the best responses to the question, You're about to die. What will your last meal be? Really? There are there, yes, indeed. Huh. Quite true, in fact. Weird. <laughs> there are books, articles, and art projects aplenty addressing, amongst other things, what celebrity chefs like Mario Batali or Marcus Samuelson would have for their last meals, or what the famous and the infamous consumed before taking their last breath. Uh, newspapers reported that Saddam Hussein was offered but refused filet mignon, uh, or Philip Mignon, for those of you who are playing the home oh, game in the grand okay. United States. My apologies okay. for Thank my Sorry. French pronunciation. I I didn't get it the first time. Okay. Yes, yes. Why would you refuse that? Chabless. Well, <laughs> I mean, he was going to the grave, so who knows? Maybe he wanted to eat something else. Is that is that true? I, I, yeah, what I true? don't uh, that he did not, or that he did refuse the filet mignon, or that he was even offered it. Um, he was offered chicken and pasta. Ah, there we go. So, uh. Then, then it's very obvious why you would pass, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd eaten plenty of chicken. Who knows? But um, while Esquire published an article about the uh, terminally ill François Mitterrand, the former French president, uh, who had oysters, foie gras, and the pièce de résistance to Ortland songbirds. Now, the songbird is thought to represent the French soul, and because it is a protected species, is also illegal to consume. Uh, however, is it a protected species? Yes, it is a protected okay. species and illegal to to consume. And yet, uh, apparently, the terminally ill get a pass on taboo uh, table fare. But who knows? Huh. Oh, that see, that's what you got to do if you get if you're on death row. There, you got to ask for the bald eagle. I, I mean, it's like at this point, it's like well, what else are you going to do to me? Right? Uh, I might yeah. as well just hit all the sins on the way down. It's it's like the most aggressive bingo card ever. I you know I got one row. Why not fill in the rest of them? Right. Exactly. Do you think anybody has ever ordered something they're allergic to? Like I've got a peanut allergy. Give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich just as a last like 
F you. Go, like, you, you're not taking of, me. That's right. I'm going out I of go my out own. of my turns. Yeah. See, yeah. Huh. When, when the idea is, is that I'm either going to be put to sleep and then given a lethal injection, which I won't feel, or suffocate to death due to a foodborne allergen, I think I will take the lethal injection. Counterpoint, <laughs> because some people still use the chair. And I think at least one other state has tried bringing back a firing squad. I will double check on that as we talk. Okay, but... I would be interested to hear how many are, are still using antiquated modes of dispatch. But yeah, uh, in, in those very heightened circumstances, again, would you rather be electrocuted to death or suffocate? Uh, you know, Lady of the Tiger. Yeah, but it's but as Michael said a minute ago, it's it's more not so much like the mode of death because either way you're gone. It's more the going out on your own terms as opposed to the state taking you. <laughs> I are- again, I don't think like my windpipe closing off would even ever be my own terms either. It's like oh, but, but I mean people hang themselves all the time, you know, from the bunks and stuff. Yeah, so. I'm not angling to do it personally, but uh, you know, given my druthers. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. So according to a uh, an article that I read in March of this year, 2023, Idaho recently passed a bill that would seek to add the state to a list of those authorizing firing squads, which currently includes Mississippi, Utah, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. So there are okay. multiple states that have authorized the use of firing squads as a method of execution. All progressive thinkers. Very mm-hmm. much so, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in many of those states, I would rather be shot than live there. So I'm not entirely true. shocked that uh, that is the choice, but not to alienate our good friends from Oklahoma. Uh, Ooh, you know, even if that's OK. So ignore the allergy bit there for the last meal, you know, because you, to your point, maybe you don't want your windpipe to close off. But then as a last little like middle finger to the people, would you then like, let's say you're lactose intolerant or would you want something that would really make a mess afterwards as you're on your way out just so people have to like clean it up and so you might be gone but you got a last little like take that <laughs> you know i i've had people call me vindictive before <laughs> and i as of right now realize i'm not even in the running based on this line of question oh no as, as i'm walking that green mile i want the green vapor behind me and everybody having to like wear their oh. Like I a slip and slide down the hall to get to that's where right. you're at. Okay. That's right. I'm walking yeah. the green mile, but you best believe I'm making a brown mile on the way. That's right. Yeah. Oh, oh God. And that conversation <laughs> on a brown note. No, I don't I'm think. I'm sure somebody I, would have. I mean, if you were on death row, wouldn't you? I mean, there are common tales from prisons where people are throwing their feces out the doors at guards as they're walking up and emptying bottles of urine. So, yes, I'm sure this has been done. A multitude of times uh i i would not choose to do so but again (laughs) i very likely have not done the crime to warrant the time so but true that's presupposing that did you you say very likely statute of limitations (laughs) has been passed in several instances but uh, moving Mm -hmm. on so while this can be said in spite of the fact there are firing squads apparently still functioning in the grand United States. <laughs> the number of yearly executions in the U S has generally declined since a high of 98 in 1999. The web series diners, drive-ins and death row tracked and commented on last meal requests of death row inmates across the country during the first decade of the new millennium. That is clearly not the name of the show. It is not clearly 
So, oh, mean, so you're telling me that that's not a lie? I, I mean, that is a very reasonable name for a show. It is clearly the lie. <laughs> I mean, w- when the other title is Dead Man Eating, and, I thought... And it's hosted I, you know, by Die Fieri. I mean, that would be delightful. <laughs> that's a haircut I would be willing to be killed to get away from, so... Uh, uh, true, true. Get me uh, out of here. But the diners, drives, whatever it was. Diners, and, drive-ins, and death row, I think, is yeah. a delightful title for a show. Yeah. And yeah, as is the, it, yeah, well, I think it's a great title. And like I said, Guy could change his name to Die. It mm-hmm. works beautifully. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm already envisioning this. And then we can have Die's Grocery Games. Of you can buy all of the food that people have allergies to in the hopes of shitting yourself on the way to the chair. <laughs> it would be a grand time. Food Network, we've got a pitch for you. Oof. Clean up on aisle seven. But whatever your stance on capital punishment is for those who enjoy catching stray bullets or hopefully being shocked into a, a you know slight slumber, eating and dying are, of course, universal foundations for richly symbolic human rituals. As we alluded to in last week's episode as well, death is a dark alleyway cloistered at the end of a well-lit lane. We often sit metaphysically straining to glimpse anything that we can see what love what lays beyond. Concurrently, if the adage, as the adage states, we are what we eat, then a final meal would seem to be the ultimate self-expression. So, uh, give me peanut butter and death all at one time, apparently, seems to be popular in this conversation. But there's also an Cake added... death? <laughs> Cake or death? Uh, I'll have the chicken, please. <laughs> uh, there's also added intrigue when that expression comes from the deranged or the infamous individuals like one Timothy McVeigh, who, of course, I'm sure we're all very familiar with. Michael's nodding, so I'll take that as a, as a definite. He apparently ordered two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. As his final meal. Ooh, okay. Or one Theodore Bundy, as I alluded to earlier, who apparently declined to make a request for his special meal and was subsequently served steak, eggs, hash browns, toast, milk, coffee, juice, butter, and jelly. Is that a lie? Not a lie. Uh, History has not told whether or not he used the jelly for its intended purpose, but... I die, Greg. <laughs> so, uh, when this combination of factors is, of course, set against America's already tempestuous relationship with food, it's a banquet that few will pass up the opportunity to partake from. So, let's get into this. The idea of a meal before an execution can be compassionate or perverse, depending upon your perspective, but it does contain an inherently curious paradox. Marking the end of a life with the material which sustains it seems at once laden with meaning and somewhat beside the point. As Barry Lee Fairchild, who was executed by the state of Arkansas in 1995, indicated, it's just like putting gas in a car that don't have no motor. (laughs) Wise words. Not wrong. Let's harken back to a bit of history here, and I'm sure this is what Michael is here for. I see his fingers and his pants steepling all together. Is that quote a lie? The quote is not a lie. That is uh, exactly what Barry Lee Fairchild said. I got goosebumps. Give me that history. Mm. Easy. Mm. On January the 14th of 1772 in Frankfurt, uh, Susanna Margarete Brandt prepared for her execution for the act of killing her infant daughter by sitting down to a sprawling feast with six local officials and judges. The ritual was known as the hangman's meal. On the menu that day were three pounds of fried sausages, ten pounds of beef, six pounds of baked carp, 
12 pounds of larded roast veal, mm. soup, cabbage, uh, bread, a du strudel, and eight and a half measures of 1748 wine. So, with that said, had she committed the crime in neighboring Bavaria, perhaps, Brandt likely would have preceded the meal with a morning drink in her cell with the man who would later decapitate her with a sword. What? This shared apartif was called St. Joan's Blessing after Joan of Arc, who was similarly offered a cup of wine as sacrament before being burnt as a heretic. Which is a delightful irony when you get down to brass tacks, but yes, quite fun. That's, that's I almost said hilarious. Mm -hmm. is th that's true? That's like you have to share a meal with the person that's yes. going to behead you. Yeah, not that's... a meal. You just have a have oh, a, a little drink. a little shot yeah. with the individual who's going to decapitate you. Dang. So what would you shot? Well, well, what would you toast to? Health? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> well, in all honesty, it's probably it's probably beneficial for the mental health of the executioner. Uh, I would and think, and a degree right? of civility, right? Uh, yeah. That we'll get into some of the underpinnings that led into this <laughs> as well, or deviated from it. But uh, yes, that is true. You get to share a little snifter. But how during... do you introduce yourself if you're the executioner? Hey, I'll be killing you today. <laughs> would you death. like a shot? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you want I... me to swing really hard? Like where? Where would you say is your weak point? Like what? What kind well, of what's conversation your do you have? Yeah, yeah. Well, what side it, do you want not splattered against the wall? This will get worse, so just oh. brace for impact. <laughs> but uh, during the hangman's meal, the condemned would participate in a scripted exchange in which they were told to seek forgiveness for their actions. So there was supposed to be a significant amount of hand wringing that accompanied this. Uh, the sharing of a meal between the condemned and those who had condemned them is symbolic representing both forgiveness and acceptance. Uh, the aforementioned Brandt, however, reportedly sat stolidly, refusing to issue any apologies and willfully flaunting her tradition. Subsequently, she consumed nothing more than a glass of water during the meal. Oh, lame. And her companions in the evening's feast fared little better. See, I think, I think that would have been very successful in terms of you know, the forgiveness and the, you know, hand wringing mm. for the, for the first few before Ward got out that no minds were going to be changed. Cause obviously you're going to have the fake, you know, acts of attrition, it, like, yeah. you, know, you know, like, oh, I'm so, you know, sorry. And in hopes that it'll, you know, sway them. And right. Like, As oh, opposed okay. to it being forgone. Yeah. Yeah. But once, once Ward is out that it doesn't matter how much hand wringing you do and how many tears you shed, you're still going. Then I suspect that, uh, why bother with it and be like, hell no, I'm proud I did it. Well, I'd do uh, it again. <laughs> there's also, there's some afterlife underpinnings as well. I didn't include it here. And the, there's an True. article that I'm basing a large portion of this on that is included in the show notes. I'd recommend you checking out um, a lot more extensive in talking about sort of the things that happened uh, region to region that facilitated a lot of these uh, sort of traditions. But one of uh, the individuals that they alluded to had converted to Catholicism over the course of being on death row and simply wanted a Eucharist as the last meal and mm. so there are acts of contrition and that person was genuinely very contrite offered nothing but apologies that i know this is the the condemnation was necessary uh, i'll make amends for these sins as i go into the next life and so i will do everything that i can to kind of ease my passing and so, so there's some aspect of that that i'm sure is probably baked into the process here because religion of course was a lot more entwined with state particularly up until you know just even the last hundred years 
Yeah. So that person asked for it. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the rest of the hangman meals are by request of the condemned? That depends on uh, circumstances, uh, situations, and different places. So uh, some of it is very likely determined by the state. For instance, like the hangman's meal seems like it was more a function of the state and just they kind of brought in fare for everybody to be able to dine together less than, you know, indulging the individual who's, you know, being put to death. But uh, we'll see if we expand on that a little moving forward. But. The uh, origins of the last meal ritual, of course, aren't readily agreed upon by historians. There's very little in history that is routinely agreed upon, as we know. Uh, The earliest record of the death penalty is the Sumerian Code of Hamus Hamush uh, in the 22nd century BC. Some scholars suggest the last meal may have begun in ancient Greece. And in Rome, gladiators were fed a sumptuous last meal, the Koina Libra, the night before their date in the Colosseum. In 18th century London, favored or better off prisoners were allowed a party with food and drink and outside guests on the night before they were hanged. Uh, The next day, as the prisoner traveled the three miles from Newgate Prison to the gallows at Tyburn Fair, the procession would then stop at a pub for the condemned customary great bowl of ale to drink their pleasure as their last refreshment in life. A bowl of ale. A bowl of ale, indeed. One big bowl of ale, please. Um, There's... Okay, so... I'm sorry if I went too fast there. I no, saw your eyebrows raised. I was going to let you finish the, okay. the thought. I'm um, going to let you finish. Exactly. But I think Hammurab- Hammurabi? No, I did not say Hammurabi. It was Hamusamush. I know. You. I was going to say, is that part true? Because the, the first I had heard of like a set of laws was Hammurabi. Hammurabi? Uh, no, it is the Sumerian code that we were referring to hmm. here. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Understandable. And then I also don't think British people are that nice to their condemned. So uh, have the party, I was questioning that too. They are most certainly. And I will give you a, a, a credit here because you didn't ask the right question, but you hit the right place. Uh, it's not the ham sandwich code, as I have uh, dubbed it here. It was the Ur-Namu which was the Sumerian oh. code, but it was still a Sumerian code that did predate that. So you were okay. in the right spot. I'll be a little more generous this evening fair. as opposed to That's my fair. usual stances here. But uh, I thought Hamu sandwich after I saw Namu, I went like, oh, okay, we gonna have a little fun here. But um, <laughs> yes, in point of fact, uh, the good folks in London were, were very indulgent, but that leads me into the next statement. And this is England's noble or highborn criminals, such ah. as like Anne Boylan or the Earl of Essex were, of course, beheaded elsewhere, often at the Tower of London. Uh, Walter Raleigh reportedly took a last smoke from his tobacco pipe before losing his head in Old Palace Yard at Westminster. So I imagine there was a social caste system in play here for how you were treated. So it okay. wasn't every common criminal who was being marched to the gallows was given this treatment. I imagine it was if you had some degree of social standing then you could be indulged for the sake of appearances because we don't want people to feel as though they are lesser than when being taken to the gallows Mm -hmm. uh flashing forward to something a little more near and dear to michael's heart if our christmas episodes have taught us anything it is uh in the new world the aztecs would feast some of uh, those who were tapped for ritual sacrifice and as part of a pre-execution deification ceremony that could last up to a year 
So I suppose it's their own yeah. version of Death Row. But it's like, hey, if you're going to go, at least you get to have a little fun going up to it, I suppose. Nice. Uh, it should be noted here that typically these were warriors captured on the battlefield. And in other cases, after they were killed, their captor was given uh, much of the body for use in Tlatkoli, uh, or a special stew of corn and human flesh that was served at a banquet with the captor's family. So you could assimilate some of the spirit as you went forward eat their heart out in fact um eat them out in fact <laughs> depending upon your minute. feelings i guess uh if that's you... one way to go it's a little death if you will easy <laughs> someone has watched the last duel recently okay uh today most countries that use the death penalty as part of their criminal justice systems offer some form of a last meal. Uh, along with the U.S., of course, Japan and South Korea are the only industrialized democracies among the 58 countries in the world that employ capital punishment. And in Japan, the condemned don't know when they'll be executed until that day arrives. Oh, God. Really? Wow. Yes. Oh, and oh. See, you're making a sad face. I don't know if that's bad. I think I'd be okay with that because Blissful you don't ignorance. have a lot, Yeah, you don't have I mean right now if you know it's coming, then you have it just sinks in, you have that dread. Well, I mean, I'm not sure that it's, you know, granted the the dates are calendared here in the US, but I feel like the sort of Damocles is still hanging over your head like yeah. you know you're going every, out every day. So like, you're just you kind of waiting is for today the, the day. So I feel like having some degree of certainty for me would probably be a little better. We're like, okay, at least I have some time and not like, all right, today's the day. Today, or, or as Dexter Morgan would say, tonight's the night. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I'm kind of I have that same feeling Michael did there. No, see I I I, so I understand where you're coming from, mm, and I sure. think I agree initially, assuming that you but but assuming that you make it past a few weeks in Japan, then I think eventually you'd be like, okay, it's not today, and you would just get into the routine of you wake up and you're like, oh my, like because the first couple weeks you would okay, have that, that, that like, where you'd uh, be like fatigue, yeah, because then you just be like, oh okay. okay, like and then you and then that that dread just shakes off after a couple weeks because you realize, well, you know, it's not going to be today, and then. You just kind of get into the swing of things until it suddenly is. Whereas here in the States, you would know definitively it's happening this day. So that dread would be with you every single day because you wouldn't get into that blissful ignorance. Well, but I think like also we're not taking into account the judicial system and the very slow moving wheels of that. You know, where it's going to take you years in most instances and also going through the appellate process and all the other things. So it's not necessarily just going to be like you're in for a week and then you're out. So you well, no, kind of have no, the that's same true, but chance if it's to similar, Well, yes, but you still have that. Once a date is set, then you know that right. that date is coming. But Whereas assuming also... that there's still slow-moving wheels in Japan to a certain mm -hmm. degree, then at least you you not only have that longevity there, but you have the ability then to just kind of acclimate to it. So you just want to be a cow in the chute, just, you know, strolling your way with Truthfully, all your Truthfully, I think so. I, okay. I, I actually think I prefer that. Like... Just like, you know, we all live, you know, comfortably not knowing when our number is up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you knew definitively May 7th, 2023 was your last day on this earth, 
you would be viewing today significantly different than you do right this moment. Well, but there's also a seed of hope, I imagine, that can flourish at any time. You're saying, like, maybe that, you know, last hour, you know, governor's pardon is going to come down. Like, I might finally be saved. I don't imagine you could ever just completely exhaust the idea of hope for those who are legitimately hopeful. Oh, That's but why the we same have thing innocence would happen projects. in Japan. But you'd have that same hope, like of like. I, I don't want to presuppose the Japanese sentiment either here, because it's a very different country. So who knows? No, but hope springs eternal. It's a you'd it's hope. A- <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Uh, but no, it's it's an interesting thought process. But at the same time, I have a feeling, like particularly like with the Innocence Project or things like that, like. We're not even taking into account people who are falsely accused or have, yeah. you know, undergone other things like that must be an even stranger red light to race to. But uh, in any event, jumping back onto the concept of the Japanese, frequently the individuals are only notified as they are in route to their execution, which would, of course, then make the need for a last meal somewhat superfluous. So well, once you get an idea, once you're leaving your cell or whatever, or, or I mean, do they again, often take trips? It, it depends. Who knows? I mean, it, <laughs> Uh, you would imagine isolation is necessary, but I haven't studied the uh, the Japanese uh, it would be prison system. If, it would be humorous if they like regularly take you to see like cherry blossoms and parks and all this. <laughs> and or cherry bottom one, daddies. And... Yeah, exactly. You're going to concerts. Everything's good. And then one day it's just like, hey, this isn't the way to the park. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm going for a walk. Today's my walk. Right oh. now is my walk. Wait, I'm going to the vet? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, two tsunami, gentlemen, two tsunami. Oh, you're right. You're right. Anyway, continue moving on. So, uh, as of June 2020, uh, governing bodies in the U.S. and its colonial predecessors had executed some 15,825 men and women since the first permanent European settlements were established. The majority of them, it seems, did not get a special last meal. The Newgate prison parties didn't make the crossing with William Bradford and John Carver aboard the Mayflower. Uh, there's, of course, no record of a last meal for George Kendall, believed to be the first Englishman executed in the New World, who was accused of spying for Spain and shot in Jamestown in 1608. Uh, of course, the nature of the criminal justice around that time was such that Kendall would also have been shot or hanged, beheaded, or burned at the stake for stealing grapes. Just to give you a, a bit of perspective there. That's uh, why I have to say is 15,000. I know number lies, yada, yada. Uh, but not like, a lie. Is nope. Real, only 15,000? That is bizarre. I honestly thought it would be a lot more than that. Now, I think we're also not taking into account that there was a certain degree of time where folks were very apt to take uh, the law into their own hands. We do have an episode in the logs here about frontier justice for that exact reason. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of that isn't factored in or there were certainly plenty of folks that were willing to take retribution without uh, for, you know, forestalling a trial in general. So Uh, take a lot of these things into account that we were a little less organized and there were certainly while there was a degree of civility taking place in larger cities. I'm sure that sometimes it was just the uh, Harlan Sanders way of let me meet you outside at that uh, uh, glorious billboard with my shotgun and we'll see whether or not you're willing to continue about the process here but true uh, true no good point good point so who knows but uh, yeah. that is the number that we were given here 
Mm-hmm. So one Scott Christensen, who has written extensively on the history of American prison culture, believes the standardized last meal probably emerged around the end of the 19th century or the beginning of the 20th with the rise of a modern administrative state. Now, here's where it starts to get interesting, and there was a lot of material I cut out of this just because it explains in excruciating detail. So, again, check this article out. It's fantastic. But uh, messy and raucous public executions fell out of favor with the more refined sensibilities of the upper and middle classes. And the idea of man's abilities for moral improvement fueled opposition to the death penalty. Rehabilitation, rather than simply deterrence and retribution, became an important aim of criminal sanction. At the time, though, there was still a strong fear of social disorder, and so the assertive state governments were eager to find better ways to keep the peace in a fledgling nation whose cities were growing, industrializing, and diversifying. The answer, or so it seemed, was to replace the more communal sanctions of the colony and early Republic era, fines, banishment, floggings, labor, with long-term incarceration in state-run penitentiaries. Criminals would be isolated from society and purged of their deviant impulses. When you run out of sending them to the colonies, the colonies have to have subsequent colonies, and there we are. Executions, which had, of course, long been believed to have been a scared or have a scared straight effect on the public, were now thought to inspire the very violence they were intended to deter. And particularly, it also kind of helps to escalate where, you know, if I'm committing a crime that might be worthy of death, uh, why not just, you know, run the full gambit here and see if I can get out of here. In for a penny, in for a pound. Exactly. And thus, uh, they began to move executions to yards inside of the prisons where the witnesses were only a select few, usually prominent officials and merchants. So... In uh, an effort to aid in both their efficiency and decorum, Christensen writes, another new aspect of this choreographed ritual of death entailed the release of detailed reports to the public that described, amongst other things, precisely what the condemned had requested as his or her last meal. This then gave the impression of a humane and dispassionate custodial government authority, but it also, intentionally or not, tapped into a bit of the old public fascination with executions, when a family might hop on the wagon, ride into town square with a picnic basket in tow, and watch someone to be launched into eternity. That Let me interject and ask either one of you two there. If public executions were still a thing, and you had the ability to attend... Would you? No. Uh, I uh, do not savor that sense of community that other people do. So I'm an isolationist by trade. I would, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily saying I, I abhor the idea of, of watching someone launched into eternity, as they said. <laughs> but uh, I I don't want to be around crowds, certainly. So if they televised it, then, you know, maybe. See, oh, yeah, the revolution will be televised. Indeed. So... So, okay, so Shane's answer is genuine in terms of, I don't like crowds, I don't want to be around crowds, so I wouldn't go in. I'm like, okay, I can understand that. And the smell, now, if your, it was like a mass uh, exodus as well, no thank you. Michael, your disdain with the no, as if it would be absurd to entertain such an idea, doesn't strike as fully genuine. or at, Or at the very least, the disdain is interesting because... And then I wonder why the disdain, because, okay, not liking crowds, I can respect that. 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of crowds either, but I do think I would probably go, which means your disdainful look as like, what, what, what kind of person would say yes? Well, I'm going to go back to saying that here is Doc being critical yet again. Uh, no, I give think a right the opposite. I thought he, no, no, no. I think he was being critical of me because, because that's what I'm saying is the disdain of the uh, thing. Me, of like me the, thinks you doth protest too much, my friend. <laughs> Uh, I, agreed, agreed. I, I don't slow down at traffic accidents or look to see people's mauled bodies either. It's just I I do have a noted disdain for people who can, it's like if you want to watch this, there's far more, you know, grotesque things that you can find. And actually, having been in the presence of a dead body in the course of my life, not that interesting. No, that's uh, true. And the smell is not I'd- great. No, no, that's fair. I wouldn't want to see the dead body, but I would, I think I would go to a, a to a public ex- execution just for the sheer novelty of it. I don't think it'd be something that I'd like a regular occurrence. Okay. But, and the vindictive glee, naturally. Well, if I knew, if the person was somebody I personally knew, then uh-huh. hell yeah, you know, like, naturally. you know, let, let's see him go. But if it was, even if it was just some stranger and it was a public gallows type thing, I think I'd probably go just for the novelty aspect of it, just to see you know, if there's any, I don't know, moment uh, where you see the <laughs> light, it, the intestines <laughs> slide out of the, no, butthole, the, the uh, light, leave the person's eyes or something like that. You know, just to see if, like, if if you ascertain <laughs> any meaning to life in that moment. So we we've joked about you wanting to kill people, <laughs> and I I think that uh, we were hitting a little too close to home with the nail here. But uh, Michael, as soon defend as I said yourself. It. You, you know there are websites called like you know things like Live Leak where you can watch that stuff in real time. If you're really really interested in seeing the light leave someone's eyes and snuff films, can... as Nicholas Cage's no, oeuvre has taught us, uh, it, I would, yes. it would no. It's it's very much. I would take it more because I'm talking about it being more the experience of like, do you ascertain anything in the moment, right? And right. I think that very much like a concert. Uh, or a theater experience, I think this would have to be like a shared experience with others. Like, I don't want to watch something on a screen because I don't think that it, you, you, I don't think you'd, uh, get that meaning to life that could potentially be there in those last moments. I was like, we're so, Americans. You know, it's going to be like the WWE. If they do this, there's going to be yeah, 12 there, camera angles. You'll Joe never get Rogan close. Going like, Oh, <laughs> look at his head roll. Is the, is his head flew off of the guillotine. Oh, <laughs> Like, yeah, like, and then you're going to look at your, your neighbor and you'll be like, oh, man, did you see how fast that head flew? Oh, man, did you see the blood splatter? I'm man, cutting. they should have said the first four were, uh, the first four rows were wet zones. I'm like, going to be standing. Uh, that's fair. This fair, just yeah. makes me flash on, like, uh, Doc and I having, like, the departed moment where he's Jack Nicholson. Turns and he's like, huh, she fell funny. <laughs> yeah no i i could see that i i i guess i guess i i appreciate your sense of empathy michael with the with the clear like no like i wouldn't do that i think that there's probably just something a little like a switch that's not turned on in my brain because some something like the like before when we talked about like you know cannibalism and like would you eat a, a burger of human meat right and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I would. I think very similar to that. It's like most people's answer would be like, uh, no, thank you. And well, I'm like, ah, try it. <laughs> I think, we're, you know, as we alluded to in the beginning of the show and also things we've talked about, it's all sensory experience, right? And if you do believe that this is the shot that you get if you're not into reincarnation or you don't have an idea of eternity or things like that, this experience is all that you have and then you loaf into the loam again. So obviously, yeah, it's one of those like if. I am so 
titillated by the concept of death and that dark alleyway at the end of life, uh, you want to go and see if you can get a, a peek through the door, right? That's part of why public exactly. executions were a thing, why people were so invested in the prospect. It wasn't necessarily just, you know, the, the gore or the shock. It's, you know, what happens when someone dies? Can you see, like, is there a weight of the soul? Do you see when the spirit is flown? Do flocks of birds wing you to your rest? Like, you know, we've heard enough stories obviously you want to have some sort of corroboration there and so it's it's not totally out of the realm of possibility tragedy does thrill us in a voyeuristic sense so it's yeah i wouldn't say it's necessarily just completely far afield yeah but it's a little maudlin uh ad- admittedly but i'm not shocked yeah. that michael doesn't want to from both a scientific perspective but also he's very detached from most human emotions I've found. So I, I don't think that's too shocking. Yes. But like to, to your point, doc, like, I mean, there was a reason why public education executions were so popular. Um, they were a good social event. Now, would I see on the calendar that there's a public education, uh, education, public- <laughs> education. I love that move. It's not one of Edge's better known finishers, but, uh, you know, I was, I was very <laughs> fond of yeah. finishers. Yes. He, uh, he definitely knew how to kneel that finisher. But yes, like, uh, if it was- yeah, the, the, uh, the concerto is one of the most popular, but I was always, you know, I was very fond of the spear myself. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> If, you know, like public executions were always on a Sunday afternoon, it's like, well, I got nothing else better to do. Might as well, you know, meet up with the Joneses and chat. It's a day of rest. Like, you know, what else are you yeah, going to do? Yeah. yeah. You rest and relax and watch someone die. Crack but, a beer like, and watch the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like in that case, yeah, there's that social aspect, you know, that comes with it. That is understandable. Like, like now would it would it would be weird if you're like you go there front row seats every time you're like standing there like seeing everything you've got the poncho on you're ready to get splashed like i mean when you brought up weird when you brought up the wwe it genuinely made me like think like i am actually somewhat surprised that here in the in here in america we haven't done something similar to that you know bring back the old gladiator system where like we 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 dangle that carrot of like you know six men enter and last person gets commuted to a life sentence i mean there is a portion of this that is like uh ufc is absolutely emblematic of that i mean there's a portion where everybody is there hoping something happens that's why a knockout gets that bloodthirsty sort of response from a crowd the other fascinating aspect of this as we're thinking um there was a George Carlin bit about saying that we are so fascinated by this. We ought to take into account now. I, this is a hashtag uh, triggered moment here for anybody. But uh, talking about self-harm, he said he should have like America should have a, an all suicide channel. Like, you know, people are going to do it anyways. You know, you might as well just make a little money or and then you can have game shows. It's like, you know, I killed myself and all I got was this goddamn T-shirt. Uh, so it's there's a lot of ridiculous nonsense, but we are that voyeuristic sort of, you know, lynched people that just have to get some sort of entertainment from everything. Reality television walks dangerously close to that line. Oh, yeah. So it's not shocking. I think we we might get to the running man at some point. You never know. Well, and what's fascinating yeah. is is you could pitch it to both, right? Because you'd be you could sell it to the you know ultra conservative folks that are also like you know big into pro guns and bloodthirsty. Fr- you know, UFCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bloodthirsty. But you could also pitch it to the liberals as like, well, all six of these men are scheduled to die, but in this scenario, one gets to live at least. So 
to a certain degree, at least one is still like living. And so it's better than the alternative. So you're saying Stephen King had a really good idea again. I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very little known fact, I find, because not a lot of people know that The Running Man was his short story before the famed Schwarzenegger adaptation. It's an interesting again, story. Just add it to the other to the the massive list of like well the this this great movie yeah it was a short story by Stephen King again mm-hmm. another one uh, another one this I uh, sidebar because we're just having eighteen of these but uh, as I'm nearing the end of the list I saw somebody who went through on YouTube and ranked all of the Stephen King books uh, you oh, know goodness. in order and my take was almost diametrically opposed to this person. Like they had the talisman as number six. And oh I was yeah, like, they did. I was like, I was waiting for you to say, yeah, talisman ranked really highly. I was like you tone deaf motherfucker. <laughs> so I, I, at some point, whether it's a disinformed thing or not, because I saw how popular it was when I listed my favorite films, uh, I might wind up just doing a Stephen King list just for my own edification, just to force myself to have to rank them for my own personal opinions. But yeah. Well, it's the beauty of That'd art, be though. Fun. can appeal yeah. to so many different people in so many different ways. But it's also, you know, you constantly hear people as, like, what's your favorite book? Or, or what's the one that you recommend I read? And I feel it's it's an easy, you know, way to kind of give a running rank of, yeah, okay, this one was in the top, you know, 10, or it was in the top. 30 out of the 80 that were there, then it's probably a good bet that if I feel the way Shane does. Now, I'm not recommending this to you at all, Doc, because we've proven my taste and yours are not in any way similar. Oh, but, uh, our tastes are quite aligned. Thank you kindly. As long as it's not a war film, apparently. But uh, all right. <laughs> I said that was a good movie. <laughs> I mean, it was rather uh, simplistic and made it, it a basically a movie, lunchbox a version adaption. of it. Easy. Movie, Don't eat your microphone. Adaption. You're fine. Calm down. <laughs> I will deep throat my microphone in real time to make a point, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn into a South Park character for a second there. But okay. So back to the idea of if you share what the last meal was had for the prisoner with the uh, press and the general public that it will seem a little more humane as an act of the state uh the press it was subsequently stated ate this concept up uh this was the dawning of the penny press at the time when steam driven printing presses spurred the development of a mass media in america and thus as executions began to vanish inside the penitentiaries the newspapers discovered the public was still eager for accounts of the proceedings as we have just alluded to everybody is a little bloodthirsty so In 1835, for instance, readers of the New York's Sun and Herald newspapers learned that Manuel Fernandez, among the first men at Bellevue prison to be privately executed, enjoyed cigars and brandy on his last day. Compliments of the warden. How very unshawshank of them. But uh, so nearly 200 years later, America is in the grips of a revolution in communication technology even more pervasive than the penny press. The death penalty was, of course, resurrected in 1976 after a 10-year-long nationwide moratorium, and public interest in last meals was rekindled along with the debate over capital punishment. Uh, we are not going to sit and wring our hands and lauralize about that. The uh, opinions <laughs> of this show do not necessarily need to go and you know sort of deviate on that path presently, because I'm Very not going to hector anybody at the moment, but... 
<laughs> initially due to the rapidly merging news and entertainment industries and eventually to the internet in a 24-hour news cycle the debate was of course amplified and then widened the last meal then is an oddly symbolic and life-affirming ritual in the vigorously dehumanized environment of modern day death row prisoners uh, in that sense, it's hard to see the modern last meal in America as actually being about anything. It's not necessarily symbolic about having a better relationship with the state. It's not necessarily venerating the life of the individual so much, even though they might try to cloy it as being that. But over the latter half of the 20th century, with the notion of deterrence unproven, and as we learned, uh, the promise of rehabilitation now being mostly forgotten and seeded into the archives, retribution and general incapacitation became the primary goals of the American criminal justice system. Individual responsibility, and I'm throwing that into quotes here as the article did, became the defining doctrine for everything from America's economic life to its crime-fighting strategies. And thus, in the 19th century, however, there were still concerns that executions carried out in private would foster doubts that justice was actually being done by the court system. We don't get to see this person dispatched. They're just thrown into a nameless cell, and they could be living the high life out in the Rio. Who knows? Like Bin Laden. Indeed. And so, uh, when the convict was, you know, sort of paraded out in front of public, that helped in the mind of the general public, as presumed by the state, to sort of prove that they were indeed an irredeemable monster and this we've exhausted all of our other options and this is the only you know final uh nail in the coffin as it were this is the only resort that we have left to us and thus in an effort to reclaim control of the narrative of capital punishment and sort of capitalize on this fervor a little bit the authorities saw the benefit of the new mass circulation newspapers to feed the public information about the executions the hmm. press accounts made it seem that the public still had some form of informal oversight over the killing that was being done in its name. The state, after all, had to distinguish the violence of its punishment from the violence it, of the individual that it is punishing. And then by allowing the last meal as a and a final statement from the prisoner, a level of dignity and compassion were extended to the condemned that the individual themselves did not show to their victims. Did your research happen to indicate how long between execution and last meal there typically is is it something like you finish the meal and then get up and there you go or uh again this is going to vary from province to province if you will uh state to state and uh, i particularly in the u.s as we've learned this varies wildly uh there are if you can still you know kill someone by firing squad if that is deemed appropriate um i'll get into some of the nuances of the how these things are regulated in certain states and just give a couple examples but i didn't go into too much in the way of being extensive about the individual nuances between uh in in some instances i imagine it's probably going to be the night before in most places but uh it might be different occasionally who knows uh someone who researched that's who but uh <laughs> in any event so uh the fact that the taxpayers are of course picking up the tab for these sometimes gluttonous requests only bolsters the public's righteous indignation in some instances but uh, the final turn of the screw in some respects is that prisoners often don't actually get what they ask for for their last meal 
Uh, regulations often preclude some of the more exorbitant orders, as we were talking about er- earlier, uh, as it is a request and not what is actually served, let alone what's actually consumed, which is often little or nothing, that is released to the press and then subsequently broadcast to the general public. And so uh, most states actually have restrictions on what can be served and how much of it, uh, a monetary limit, for instance, or based on what's in the prison pantry on a given day. So some folks will actually not outsource material either. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion about folks ordering, for instance, like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, or grabbing other materials. Uh, There was a lot of commentary about uh, the indications of sort of socioeconomic status here because some people were asking for food that they were familiar with that was a comfort to them. Your sort of, you know, fried chicken or or things like that, which, again, made a bit of a statement that I wasn't entirely uh, comfortable with throwing out on my own. But then saying that there are some things that were seen as sort of the trappings of entitlement or the upper echelons, like getting lobster or getting steak or having extravagant meals that somewhat help you to transcend a little bit and experience something nicer before you shuffle loose the mortal coil. That was kind of a, an interesting aspect there as well. Does the last meal include uh, the ability to have alcohol? I I wouldn't imagine that is the case. And I will tell you why as we move forward. But um. I'm not sure whether I included this or not, so I'll just I'll in, indicate it here and skip over it later. Um, in most instances, they say they actually don't allow them to listen to music before they oh. go to the chair because that has the potential to cause them to become emotional or erratic. And oh. I imagine alcohol would probably be precluded as well because, one, I don't think they allow alcohol in prisons, generally speaking. It's not a good idea with a you know surplus population like that. Um particularly when you want to maintain some order of stricture or, uh, you know, restriction for people. So, yeah, I wouldn't imagine that they're allowing folks to have alcohol. That's fair. I was just curious if, like, you know, a glass of wine with your steak and baked potato or something to that effect. Yeah, right? you would assume within reason that would be something. But again, this is a prison. They're they're not trying they, they to be overly indulgent. Them, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. and again, talking about th- sometimes it's like, OK, well, this is what we have on hand. So of the things that are at your you know availability, here's what you have. Uh, funnily enough, as I was looking through these things in Arizona, the state procedures on execution state that an inmate can request a last meal. <laughs> By completing a form. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> That's a really fantastic Paul Simon song talking about going into heaven. And in order to do anything, you have to fill out a form first and then wait in the line. Um, Sign it in triplicate. Yes. So uh, I get a nice. But so if you complete the form and return it no later than 14 days prior to the execution for the great state of Arizona, uh, their procedure then indicates that reasonable effort shall be made to accommodate the request. Mm. reasonable reasonable which means yeah. in arizona you will then receive a ham sandwich and uh we hope that you enjoy it with our best wishes yes it's uh, like individuals who were doing like a, a robin williams had a joke which again someone will say he stole from somebody else i'm sure uh that they would give you like an alcohol swab before they gave you the lethal injection it's like what the fuck is the point of that I don't want you to get that last minute infection. Uh, So, (laughs) but, uh, and in Florida, uh, last meals are limited to a budget of $40 and all materials must be purchased locally. Which sucks more and more as inflation goes up. And I wonder how long has it been since that $40 was adjusted? Because (laughs) $40.92 
versus forty dollars and twenty three very different. Well, I can get an awful lot of Taco Bell for forty dollars. Well, you can Still. get forty items. Well, I guess if they include the tax and stuff, then you could probably get thirty four, thirty five. Well, do I need that much, really? Well, I, I, no, I'm on board yes. with you, though. No, truth be told, I'm on board well, with you. I think no, if I'm not allowed... He, well, because he was the one that was all about, you know, like, leaving a brown mile when you're walking the well, green mile. So, yeah, he'll be like, yeah, eat 35 items worth of Taco Bell. Like, leave your mark. Well, no, it's a, so, yes, fair <laughs> enough. The basic Taco Bell bit there. I was actually thinking if 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 I could not have alcohol right so if i can't like you know have that kind of fancy <laughs> indulging meal of like wine and steak and all that jazz then i think if for my last meal i probably would want something exceptionally like heavy or greasy right like you know a, a couple pizza hut pizzas or taco bell or something like that and then i think i would try to just stay up all night so that by the time so i would just feel like super tired and exhausted and heavy and bloated so that as i'm being led to the chamber it's like all i want to do is sleep anyways and pass out so it would death would come as a sweet release and your as mental a- state is terrifying to me <laughs> i don't know if you see a therapist but i'd recommend it uh, if i eat enough if I eat enough Domino's pizzas and I stay up the next day, I'll be wanting that chair. I just want to Let be go to miserable <laughs> and bloated, gassy and uncomfortable so that the sweet release of death is precisely that. The welcoming arms of Morpheus will drag me into the abyss and I can just puke all of this pizza right up onto the floor and then they'll have to drag my soggy ass down the hallway just covered in slop. Well, no, truth be told, if you have, if you, if you ate, like, if I ate, like, three large pizzas, I would enjoy the first bit of the meal, and then by, you know, as Louis C.K. once said, you know, the meal's not over when I'm full, the meal's over when I hate myself, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So I would, you know, plow through all of that. So I would have had still a good meal, but then it would also be like, a, oh my god, I hate myself. Like I'm done. I, like I hate this. And then if Kill you just, me. yeah, and then if you just stay up all night, then you know you're not so much thinking about, oh my gosh, this is about to happen at eight o'clock in the morning or like the death aspect of it. You're just tired. You want to pass out. You're like, I don't care. Whatever. Let's just, you know, just whatever. This just makes me think of like you as Dallas uh, at the end of Alien uh, in the director's cut, mind you, where you're like plastered into the wall. You vomited all of this pizza all over yourself and you're just like laying there covering your own fifth like kill me <laughs> <laughs> eyes are shut because you just you know got pressed so tight that things are just gooping together better that than stress like you know than stressing the whole night and you know, i would stress if i'm at, i gotta tell you as somebody who often has like indigestion and you know has to burp constantly or all these other things with trapped air like yeah i would death more than discomfort i i get it but i'd rather be comfortable going into my demise or i was like i don't want to spend the last few hours i have of this life miserable it's miserable yeah even more no. than i already would be because I got nervous for the first day of school, for fuck's sake. Like, perpetually, the first day of any new venture. Death is the big adventure, so... Well, that's uh, my point. So instead of sitting... Instead of spending that evening wallowing in, like, existential dread and wondering about what comes next and stuff, wouldn't you rather be going, oh my god, I can't believe I ate so much? No, because then I would have existential dread and diarrhea. I don't think that those two (laughs) things are good bedfellows, friend. But uh, that's me. 
I I just want something to distract me from what's coming and to the and to be at the point where I welcome the sweet release. Okay, so you are into BDSM from uh the discussion here. I imagine is yeah, I just want to be distracted from what's coming. I just want to be, you know, bound up in leather, whipped with the, uh, you know, a cat of nine tails and had hot wax dripped down my butt cheeks. I don't want to enjoy this. I just want to be miserable until it's over. You're not wrong. Okay. No, All right. <laughs> Whistles, whips, yo yo. He admit it. He admit it. Okay. We have gone so far off the rails compared to what I thought. All this for forty dollars. Me more. Forty dollars in floor. Please never use a Ryback catchphrase on this show. I come on. Ooh, the ultimate warrior of the uh, of the late aughts. So. As I was alluding to, part of the injustice of even if you make a request for a last meal, they don't necessarily, you know, fulfill that request, at least not the way you'd expect. Uh, so if you were expecting filet mignon and lobster tail, as, you know, Saddam Hussein did not ask for, uh, well, it's likely to end up being chopped meat and fish sticks uh, or, you know. Fish sticks and custard. Uh, either way, fish fingers, I should say. Uh, and according to Brian Price, who was an inmate who cooked final meals for other prisoners in the great state of Texas, Doc, uh, for over a decade before he was paroled in 2003, uh, this is something that happened frequently. In 2001, a book called Last Supper's Famous Final Meals from Death Row includes this teaser. How's this for a last meal? 24 tacos, two cheeseburgers, Two whole onions, five jalapeno peppers, six enchiladas, six tostadas, one quart of milk, and one chocolate milkshake? That's what David Castillo, convicted murderer, packed in the night before Texas shot him up with a lethal injection. So it sounds to me as though someone else shared your particular perspective on going to the great beyond there. Yeah, I was on board with that meal. With the exception of the milk and the onions, if that's they came a lot of milk, if well, the onions you know, came cut gotta, up, sure. But if you got to pop them like an apple, that's a little weird. You got to you got to take some of the edge off the jalapenos, apparently. And uh, with that True. much cheese, uh, you're going to have a problem. But then adding the milk into the mix, like, ugh. well, that's I was also surprised by the jalapenos versus like jalapeno poppers. Like, you know, wrap it up in bacon, throw some cream cheese in that, then we're talking. But like, well, jalapeno, just the raw jalapeno poppers with Mexican food might be a little bit weird. That's but, literally uh, what I had for yeah. dinner tonight. You strange, <laughs> strange man. <laughs> and you have my pity. Not even jo- joking. Um, sad, strange little man. Um, How dare you? How dare there... you, little? Little? <laughs> to infinity and beyond. Uh, thank you. Yes, thank yes. you. Anyway, uh, like, okay, so we... I, I This is going to be an off tangent, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. but I just have to ask, because now we're talking about gumming up the works heavy with some dairy... <laughs> I mean, are you, they you allowed to last shit gumming up? But then, as he was alluding to, if you're lactose intolerant and you're drinking that much, like uh, maybe oh, you're, the, yeah, the brown mile is real. Yes, yeah. But are they allowed to last shit after the last? Oh well, they, meal? I'm sure they have the toilet in the cell. Furthermore, it's like, what are they gonna say? No, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm about, I'm about fitting to, I'm fit to burst here. I'm prairie dogging it. Like, give me five second reprieve before we go down and, the hall. And they'll be like, no, you're gonna be dead in five minutes anyway. Just hold it. Like, well, then the question becomes, how much of this <laughs> do you want to clean up? And uh, 
I mean, if it was Doc, he fair. wouldn't say anything and just you know wait to unload later. <laughs> He's all sitting. <laughs> I feel like Doc got a surprise for you. It's been percolating all week. <laughs> Doc's death protocols basically follow his two favorite Metallica albums. It would be load and reload. <laughs> That's right, because you got to kill them all. Thank you. <laughs> I want them to be thinking about that night. My execution for the next 72 seasons. Yeah, you want it to be creeping death, I see. Uh, <laughs> well done. It's like you're trapped under ice. So, back to the list we were previously given. What Castillo, who was executed in 1998 for stabbing a liquor cl- uh, store clerk to death, actually got for his last meal was simply four hard shell tacos, six enchiladas, two tostadas, two onions, five jalapenos, one quart of milk, a chocolate milkshake, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> he actually I mean, did pretty honestly, good, though. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty good effort on their part. A very hefty spread, not exactly up to what he ordered. So is what they're saying is, you know, you can put in an exorbitant request, not necessarily going to get it. But, of course, this keeps us in line. I'm sorry not to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just uh, remembering the question. Did, did you answer? Did, did we know, like, when that $40, for instance, was set? Like, oh, that was Florida. He's talking about Texas, but well, also no, executed. I didn't. I didn't get into that degree of nuance. Yeah. I looked no, at several fair, articles, yeah. but again, he's that, not me. I I would have had to spend a lot more time looking at legal statutes because again, there is surprisingly not a plethora of material about this. Uh, strangely huh. enough, there's a lot of again like self published sites and you know your your yeah. standard operating fare that way, but they don't get into those nuances. Well, no, yeah, I was only curious because, like I said, it, like let's say that forty dollars was set in nineteen ninety or whatever, then they're actually envisioning like you know a pretty decent meal for the for the last meal, right? But very similar to like the minimum wage, right? When it first came in, you could theoretically like support yourself and have a living and stuff like that. Uh, but nowadays, of course, seven twenty-five is absurd, right? Same deal. If that forty dollars was set in nineteen sixty-five, that's a quite exorbitant meal, right? So they're envisioning like you know a, a, a quite an empathetic send-off versus forty dollars in twenty twenty-three is, you know, maybe dinner at Denny's. Well, now let's take into account though, if you look at the current state of the prison system. Uh, particularly because we also now have private prisons. Uh, and as you learn, like in West Virginia, there are several lawsuits pending for individuals who are being essentially starved to death because they don't have enough food on hand to even keep everybody effectively fed. Half of that stuff is spoiled. Like, so, I mean, it's not as though everybody's creature comforts and wishes and desires are really being taken into account in a lot of these instances. So it isn't shocking to me or completely out of line that they're like, oh, by the way, we don't give a damn what you actually want for your last meal is like be glad you're getting anything at all so i think somebody particularly from a governmental standpoint being asked this question is probably going to look at that and go like that 40 dollars is fine go ahead so I'm, I'm not sure how much legislation is actually being said i mean veterans can't even get decent health care at this point so it's like if we're True. talking about the the degree of granularity we get into looking at some of these things and as we'll discover here that $40 might not even be in discussion because uh, it did come to pass yet again in Texas uh, due to requests like the prior one. Uh, the state did uh, stop offering special last meals as uh, Lawrence Russell Brewer, the name that shall live on in infamy, famously ordered 
two chicken fried steaks, one pound of barbecued meat, a triple patty bacon cheeseburger, a meat lover's pizza, three fajitas, an omelet, a bowl of okra, which would make my wife delighted, uh, one pint of bluebell ice cream, so yeah. he was apparently Ooh. going for a better call Saul here. Uh, some peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts, because we're not savages. Ooh, okay. And okay. three okay. root beers in total. Hmm. And didn't eat a single mouthful of it. So, uh, this, of course, prompted an outraged state senator to threaten to outlaw the last meal entirely if the Department of Corrections didn't end the practice outright. And perhaps this is a bellwether for the total elimination of the practice across the board for the United States, because as we've proven, we're not exactly, you know, wringing our hands and, and talking about the critical conditions that a lot of prisoners are under these days. Uh, it's not as though our prisons are overpopulated or struggling mm. for adequate funding across the board anyway, mm. obviously, uh, since we've privatized a lot of this. Uh, yeah. So in any event, not to, you know, ring the bell a little too hard on the way out here, but it seems like this might be a, a bit more of an antiquated practice than anything going forward. Well, it's going to be needed more and more, too, not with the uh, you only need eight out of 12 jurors in Florida there for the death sentence now. So I'm sure that there's going to be more last meals being requested in the not too distant future. And they won't have any uh, cookbooks in order to prepare materials from. Uh, and so, you know, without all all everything banned. else. Oh, man. Don't want to have any uh, rise and shine woke eggs, you know, roused anywhere. But <laughs> so uh, to throw all of this discussion of last meals into context here, I think we might uh, bear a little discussion on an after dark to see what uh, a concept for a last meal for the three of us might be oh, as oh, a, an interesting concept. Oh, here we go. Michael, I'm not going to require you to have to be able to shit on command once you've had it. <laughs> Unlike Doc here, who's going to prepare to be like a, a human I'm need some coffee rocket with that launcher. Last meal. Yeah, I... he's, he's already percolating now, just in preparation. <laughs> but uh, for the record, I was asking just in general, not for myself. That's not something I would go for. I'm not looking to. <laughs> he's just asking for a friend. He swears. <laughs> yep, it's an episode of Jackass, just willing to manifest itself here. But so, in summation, here. Uh, as the common credo of Weight Watchers indicates, eat to live, don't live to eat. And uh, <laughs> I disagree with that patently. But That is not a creed of Weight Watchers, is it? It is, in fact. Oh, interesting. Yeah. WW. Why not? No, they, they don't go by Weight Watchers anymore. Now they're just WW. And Dunkin' Donuts is no longer Dunkin' Donuts either, but just you know, give them yeah. the DD. I am uh, I'm a slave to appearances, obviously. So uh, some of these things do fall out of fashion, however, when life is no longer part of the equation. So just something to ruminate on. But uh, regardless, the concept of the last dance with Mary Jane, or more appropriately, Betty Crocker, Little Debbie, or Marie Callender, before your demise will still fuel dinner party patter from here to eternity, while gluttons like myself have any say in the matter. So, we will continue the conversation anon, if we'd like, including that airplane that's uh, making a low buzz over somebody's home here. But uh, That's me, sorry. Yo, you're fine. <laughs> I, I do so enjoy keeping all of that in, including your typing and, uh, you know, the pigs being slaughtered in the background. Or, I'm sorry, the chair popping that is. Uh, so, that is the end of my presentation here. 
do we have any additional questions or discussion for the lies before we proceed? Was the let's see that long list of meal was the two onions. Was that list actually Nothing all about legit? that list was fake. I did not okay. I, I tried to actively avoid really horrible cheap nonsense despite the uh filet mignon. I just thought offering chicken to a dictator seemed a little bizarre to me, but anyway. Fair. I mean, but that even wasn't a list. It was just that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh I got nothing. Y'all did very well considering yeah. I'm also a little out of practice with coming up with lies, and I, too, created this this morning, so uh, we, were, we were slamming some stuff together. But, okay. Lie number one, of course, as we indicated, Saddam Hussein was offered chicken, but he refused to eat it, as opposed to filet mignon. Uh Philip Mignon, as you will. Okay. Uh, the show that uh, gives uh, tracks and commentaries on the last meal requests of Denro I- death row inmates is, of course, dead man eating as opposed to diners, drive-ins, and death row. I was also going to name it what I have as my uh, subject heading for this is to dine or die in Dixie. Uh, that was also <laughs> uh, my other thought for the run, but who knows? All right, moving on. Uh Number three is a Tarantino reference, and I am not uh, the least bit shocked that uh, folks didn't (laughs) run with it. But um, as opposed to the list of all the other things, the three pounds of fried sausages, 10 pounds of beef, six pounds of baked carp, the uh, veal, soup, cabbage, bread, etc., and du strudel were not actually served uh, in Frankfurt to uh, Susanna Brandt. They just said a sweet was served. And I couldn't hmm. let that fly. That was just yeah, simply uncalled that's fair. for. But so uh, now I have to ask, what re- what is that a reference to? Because I don't get it. Okay, that's an inglorious bastards reference. So oh, okay, yes, okay, got it. Aton de la okay. crème. So, uh, in any event, uh, it was it was that's a cheapy. I'm considering that cheap on my own, but I couldn't help but uh, but run eh. now. Uh, another thing that Michael was sniffing at and uh, and called, but we did not actually get the lie uh the shared aperitif the uh having a drink with your executioner Mm. is true it is however called saint john's blessing after john the baptist who is said to have forgiven those who beheaded him as opposed to joan of arc who very obviously was not happy to go to her death and uh, true yes that's yeah that makes a lot more sense yes so it was not saint john's blessing but uh i i found that far too funny to offer a sacrament to a heretic before they went to death and that the thought that she would even accept it was just laughable to me so uh but thankfully we focused more on the fact that you had to sit with your executioner and share a drink as opposed to her being (laughs) burnt alive so uh again my gallows humor rearing its ugly head that was lie number four uh the fact that so come here often (laughs) (laughs) well yes i do (laughs) not anymore um so it is the little death after all uh speaking of those french anyway uh brant 
for lie number five did not just sit stolidly refusing to issue apologies and willfully flaunting their tradition. Uh, apparently, it was just she was a nervous Nelly about the whole thing and uh, didn't appreciate the ceremony, and so she was only able to just have the glass of water. It wasn't mm. a strident stance on her part. It was just she uh. just didn't drink anything. She didn't eat anything. Uh, I think the whole affair was awkward in general, as this was one of the progenitors of the movement, if not the first one out. So... I'm sure everyone was uncomfortable and no one quite knew what to do with it. And eventually they might have gotten into the swing of things, if you'll pardon the pun. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that went. So, uh, Surprised they didn't like hanging out. It's a strange thing. You know, everybody just heads will roll if you don't have a good time at these things. But uh, line number six, you did catch. It was not the Sumerian code of Hamus Hamush. Uh, it was instead the Sumerian code of Ur-Namu, which uh, was no more or less nonsensical to me, but uh, I decided to have the moons over my hammy represented here in some way, shape, or form. There. And finally, line number seven is um, a bit of flair on my part. Uh, in saying that uh, the uh, Japanese individuals who are being sent to their death uh, are not notified until they are in route <laughs> to the execution, thus making the need for a last meal superfluous. All they had stated was simply that they, they don't know they're going to be executed until the day of, as opposed you know, to throwing them in the I, chute and walking them down the hallway and going like, by the well, way. I should have called that lie because I even commented. You like did. how Yeah, I was like, how, how would that even be known? When they realize when they're leaving their cell, I should have mm -hmm. been like yep. that must be bullshit yeah. that's why i just i kept my mouth shut and let everybody have a Rick, bit of fun well you know that's yeah. what we're here for so those were the seven lies everything else contained is as far as i am aware factually accurate so there you go. A, a little aperitif for us, if you will, as we slide our way towards episode 200. Uh, our delightful, uh, you know, happy death day. I'm kidding. I keep giving Michael invitations. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I've had people send me messages like, are you really going to quit after 200? It's like, no. No. Yes. But um, maybe. <laughs> Depends on the day. I mean, we are prone to lying on this show. I have said that on many occasions. But so there you go, gentlemen. Uh, in spite of the fact that Michael thought he was just throwing me in the water uh, today, I, I actually finally managed to throw together an episode. So there you be. And a fantastic one it was oh bless you for saying mm -hmm. so what i a, concur uh, that was quite the meal i well i yes. you know i had enough material to make it a five-parter but then i decided that uh, i wouldn't subject you to such a gross and disgusting <laughs> display and so you got the one the dildorado Perfect. Or yeah, I, the joys I of aware. Christmas, or <laughs> Alexander, or, Christmas, or, Christmas, or any or of the Alexander. other fucking, you know, you know that, that's, that's fair. String you, you of material. Yes, yes. But uh, in any event, uh, that that's what we got for this week. So as I mentioned, I, I think we are going to have a, a brief conversation about uh, what a possible last meal would be for everybody over on YouTube for the Disinformed After Dark, which, of course, is now supposed to be fridays so you know check in intermittently uh we're, we're not guaranteeing that's happening every week but you know occasionally we'll we'll keep stuff over there to keep you entertained and uh oh, yeah. maybe we'll a little morsel a little yeah meal we might even talk about whether or not uh, michael believes in aliens uh, that might be how we wind up 
as the light <laughs> leaves his eyes. So maybe not. Okay. So well, you just saw a publication. I was just gonna say I finally got it. All right. <laughs> well, now I don't need to go to any more. I saw it. The education. Yes. All right. Yes. So, but I've tasted it and want more. <laughs> it's got the taste of blood. Run, oh, dear lord. Okay, so uh, that is officially going to put the tag on the toe and the body in the bag for us this evening on this stirring installment of Disinformed. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard and had a good time with us, there are marvelous ways you can display that. I won't make Michael tell you anything, but you can, of course, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We would love to hear from you. We have new episodes of the show winging your way every lovely Monday morning, so be sure that you catch us there on your preferred podcast provider app, and of course, over on the tube of you stuff winging your way every fantastic friday as well so we will try to keep you as entertained as humanly possible and uh, maybe our anti-social networks might uh, you know get the, the occasional paddles to the chest from time to time who knows here's hoping bring it back from the brink <laughs> such enthusiasm a stay of execution if you will yes yes yeah. see how many pictures of, of grizzly death we could put up on instagram before they flag our account Here's, uh, you know, dead bodies through the ages brought to you by Dr. Michael. Uh, the bloodlust knows no bounds. <laughs> you know, ironically, I was like, actually, that doesn't sound like bad material. Okay, so we're at the disinformed Instagram is now happy death day. We will just have uh, pictures of folks uh, slipping the mortal coil and... Uh, <laughs> It, side by side with pictures of cheeseburgers or pies or, you know, various, you know, meals that they might have had at their last moment. I mean, who knows? I'm not these people. Oh, okay. oh so you're saying that we're going to be like kind of uh, giving like almost like making it headcanon or something like that. Like, well, this person who died probably would have had this as their last meal. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So we'll have like, you know, Captain Jean-Luc Picard and uh, Yeoman uh, Snark for, uh, you know... <laughs> The, the dead or dying person in their last meal. So, well, and yeah. we can start to talk about, like, you know, we could have pictures of Marilyn Monroe up there and then just, you know, have whatever. I'm not sure fantasies. they pumped her stomach, friend, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm letting this finally die, like the, the show and the bit should have. But in any event. I've had three pizzas and I've stayed up all night. End me. 26 tacos, 34 enchiladas. Three hamburgers, uh, side fries, partridge in a pear tree. And a quart of milk. Uh, there <laughs> were uh, the uh, the individual who ordered all the other things, I think, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but they ordered two gallons of milk for the individual who got all that stuff banned. Yeah, two gallons of milk to wow. be brought in and did yeah, not eat any of it. Wild. I mean, just milk as a final parting... Ugh. I do, but again, I don't know what they actually allow them to have there. Hopefully, you know, soft drinks or something is allowed these days. But in any event, uh, speaking of bubbly refreshment and finally bringing things to an abrupt halt, that is going to officially wrap this up for this evening for us. Thank you all for being here as always, and we will see you very soon. So, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. And, and I'm, I'm Michael. Michael. <laughs> And zippity zoop, we're out of here! Go towards the light! It's so beautiful! <laughs> <laughs>